Our reading today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're reading from verse 8 to verse 13, and that can be found on page 995 of the Church Bibles, and it will also appear on the screen. Let me pray as we come to read that together. Our Father, we thank you for your word, and uh, we thank you for the blessing it is to be able to gather around it now. We thank you that it is a word that gives life, uh, that you speak to us by your Spirit as we spend time in it. And we pray that today you would refresh us and you would remind us of who you are and what you've done in Jesus Christ. Lord, you know each of our hearts. Uh, you know what we've walked through the door with this morning. You know what we need to hear. And we pray, Lord, that we would encounter you as we spend time in your word now. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Paul writes, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Well, as our nation mourns Her Majesty the Queen, a major feature over the past week or so has been people sharing their memories of her. Uh, and it's been incredible to hear countless stories which were previously untold, stories about the positive impact that she had on people from all sorts of different walks of life as they encountered her. And many of those memories which have been shared uh, they've been accompanied by lessons that can be learned about the way that she ruled and how she served. And tomorrow will be a day of remembrance on a scale that none of us will have ever experienced for a woman who will be remembered for centuries to come as an inspirational example of what a life of service looks like. So often as we look back on the lives of others, that we learn lessons from the past that can shape us in the present. And that's why the study of history is so important, because it gives us the opportunity to learn from others who've gone before us. There are so many stories of individuals in history that can inspire us and impact the way we live our own lives. And in the passage that we're looking at today, Paul calls Timothy to do just that, to remember one who had gone before him. But Paul's call to remembrance, it's a bit different from the way that we remember any other inspirational figure in history. Certainly no one in history uh, has had the impact that, that Jesus has had. For someone who never held any political office, uh, someone who was the son of a carpenter, for someone like that, 
to have had such a profound impact on world history, that should cause us to stop and to reflect on his inspirational life, whether we are Christians or not. But Paul's call to remember Jesus is not a call simply to be inspired by the life of a great historical figure. It's a call to be profoundly shaped by a risen Savior. Over the past few weeks, as we've studied 2 Timothy, we've seen the the consistent theme throughout this letter that those who are faithful to the gospel message can normally expect suffering. This letter was from one suffering Christian leader writing to another. Paul was chained in a Roman dungeon awaiting execution, and he was writing to Timothy, who was facing opposition from all angles, both from inside and from outside the church, for his faithfulness to the gospel. Both these leaders knew what it was to suffer. Suffering is a normal part of the Christian life. But we've seen in this letter that the Christian isn't expected to suffer in their own strength. We've seen the key verse of this letter is found in in verse 8 of chapter 1, where Paul calls Timothy to share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. In suffering, God's people are to live lives empowered by God's Spirit. He is the one who gives us the strength to endure. And last week, we looked at the first part of chapter 2, and we saw Paul repeat that call to live in the strength that God gives us. And then he followed it up with three illustrations of what it looks like to endure suffering for future glory. Uh, we, We saw those illustrations of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And we saw how that links to the Christian life of suffering and how we endure for the glory that awaits God's people. And here today in the passage that that we just read, he turns, Paul turns Timothy's attention to the ultimate example of one who endured suffering, but who experienced glory. He calls Timothy, verse 8, to remember Jesus Christ. Now, of course, Timothy wasn't about to forget Jesus, But Paul wanted him to do more than just be aware of Jesus or or pay a passing nod to him. He wanted them to meditate on who Jesus is and what Jesus had done. He wanted them to take the truths of the gospel and in the power of God's Spirit to rest in them, to be strengthened, verse 1 of chapter 2, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And this is what makes Jesus different from any other historical figure. He's not just someone we can be inspired by. He's not just someone that we can learn from. He's someone who actually strengthens us by his spirit as we remember him. And that's why Paul's words about Jesus here are so precious to us because they are life-giving. As we remember Jesus, as we dwell on him and, and on what he has done, and as his Spirit applies those truths to our hearts, we are shaped and transformed and empowered to live faithful lives. 
So remembering Jesus, there is something deeply spiritual going on when we do this. Something supernatural that makes it very different from remembering any other figure in history. But what is it specifically that we are called to remember? What is it that Paul calls Timothy to remember? Well, we remember, first of all, Jesus Christ. This is the only time in 2 Timothy that Paul refers to Jesus in this way. Elsewhere, he repeatedly refers to him as Christ Jesus. But by putting Jesus before Christ, Paul seems to be emphasizing Jesus' humanity here. So as a way of reminding Timothy of the fact that Jesus suffered before he was glorified. That the pattern of Jesus' life was, was suffering then glory, just as it is the pattern of the Christian life. Now some in Ephesus, they were teaching that, that the resurrection had already happened. And by that, they meant that the benefits of the resurrection, specifically an end to suffering, they were available now. It's a bit like the health and wealth prosperity message that's around today, which says that Christians should expect only good things, that suffering is a sign of a lack of faith. But as we go on through this letter, we'll see Paul refute that kind of teaching. That wasn't the experience of Jesus, and we shouldn't expect it to be our experience. We shouldn't be surprised when we suffer, because Jesus suffered too. But that suffering, it won't last forever. And that's because of what else Timothy needs to remember about Jesus. Paul goes on, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. As he remembered the resurrection, Timothy could take hold of the fact that whatever suffering he endured for Jesus' sake, it was only temporary. It wouldn't last forever. And that's because Jesus' life, it didn't end in suffering. He rose again, and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father in glory. And it's that glory that lasts forever. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that whatever suffering we might endure for the sake of the gospel, it isn't the end of the story. Temporary suffering will one day give way to eternal glory. But how can Timothy and how can we be so sure about that? Well, because Timothy is to verse 8, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. Paul reminds Timothy that Jesus is the offspring of David. He is the promised king, the Messiah, the one who fulfills all of God's promises in the Old Testament. As Paul makes reference to Jesus' royal status, Timothy could remember that everything had happened just as God said it would. Timothy knew his scriptures. He was well aware of the vast array of Old Testament prophecies that had been specifically fulfilled in Jesus. And he could have confidence that just as God's promises had been fulfilled in the past, they would also be fulfilled in the future. We have a God who always 
always keeps his promises. And the reason that he can keep those promises is because he is the one who is ultimately in control. He is the ultimate ruler who is sovereign over our lives and over human history. And there is nothing and no one who can thwart his eternal purposes. We only need to look at the promises about the Messiah that he has already fulfilled in his word. Promises which are so many and so detailed that it would, that it would be impossible for them to have happened by chance. When we remember the, the incredible way in which these promises have been fulfilled, we can have total confidence that all of his promises to us will also come to pass. I wonder which of God, God's promises do you need to remember right now? Maybe you need to remember God's promise to provide for you. Maybe you need to remember his promise to comfort you. Maybe you need to remember his promise never to leave you or forsake you. Or maybe in the context of this passage, you need to remember that suffering isn't the end of the story. That the glorious eternal future that we have to look forward to is certain because God is the one who's promised it. It's as we meditate on the promises of God, as we remember, it's as we do that that God's Spirit applies these truths to our hearts so that they don't just remain simply head knowledge, but they profoundly shape the way that we live our lives. And that was certainly true for Paul. As he remembered Jesus Christ, it gave him a whole different perspective on his present suffering. As he suffered for the gospel he preached, he could say with confidence, verse 9, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul may have been chained to a wall in the darkest dungeon in Rome. He may have known what it was to be deserted by those who had once called themselves his friends, and how, how painful that must have been. He may have known what it was to be an object of shame and, and scorn for his predicament. But as he remembered Jesus Christ, he was able to endure his present suffering, knowing that even though he was bound, the gospel that he had so faithfully proclaimed wasn't. Despite intense opposition and threats of execution from the state, despite false teaching and internal strife in the church, the gospel was still advancing. Nothing could stop it. And 2,000 years later, here we are, gathered together from all over the world. In this room, we represent a, a tiny fraction of the more than 2 billion people on our planet today who would call themselves followers of Jesus. Friends, the Word of God cannot be bound. It cannot be bound by a hostile culture. It cannot be bound by persecution. It cannot even be bound by the flaws and failings of the church. No, despite opposition, persecution, 
and human sin, God is still growing his kingdom today. The word of God is not bound. And that's why Paul could endure everything knowing that his suffering wasn't in vain. God was still working out his eternal purposes in the lives of his people, calling them from darkness to light, adopting them into his family, saving them, not because of anything that they'd done, but because of everything that Jesus Christ had done. And as Paul closes out this section, he reminds Timothy uh, of a trustworthy saying about Jesus. It's a saying that, that, that lays out exactly what Jesus has done. And it demonstrates that why remembering Jesus is so different from any other figure in history. If you look with me at verse 11, Paul writes, The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Now, three times in there, Paul refers to being with Jesus. And in verse 10, just before this, he talks about the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. What, what makes remembering Jesus different from any other figure in human history is not simply that we can be inspired by him, but that we can be transformed by him. And that happens when we put our trust in him. Now, what Paul is describing here in these verses is, is sometimes referred to as union with Christ. And what that means is that when someone puts their faith in Jesus, by God's Spirit, they are united into Christ by faith in such a way that what is true of Jesus becomes true about them. If our belief in Jesus is only ever intellectual, if it never leads us to actually putting our trust in him, then while we might be inspired by Jesus' life, it has no real benefit for us. Uh, the reformer John Calvin once wrote, as long as Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from him, all that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value for us. But what Paul lays out in this trustworthy saying is what happens when someone puts their faith in Jesus. He writes, if we've died with him, that means that, that when Jesus died on the cross, so did our old lives. All our sin and shame. And that's why, he goes on, we will also live with him. Because Jesus has defeated sin and death, all who are in him have beaten it as well. The penalty has been paid. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As we were saying at the beginning of our service, as far as the east is from the west, that is how far he has removed our transgressions from us. We now live in Christ as new creations, blameless before our heavenly Father, with the promise that just as Jesus has risen from the dead, just as he has risen to eternal glory, all who endure, all who trust in him, will reign with him. That's the glorious promise for all who are in Christ. 
no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. You know, sometimes our thoughts and our feelings can, can weigh us down. You know, guilt from past sin can well up and accuse us. But Christian, whatever temporary suffering you may endure, remember that in Christ, that is who you are. Someone who has been declared blameless. You share in all his benefits, freedom from condemnation, a child of the same heavenly Father, reigning with our Lord Jesus for all eternity. It's a glorious thing to remember Jesus Christ, to dwell on him, to lift your eyes to him, to lift them away from whatever it is that that catches you and weighs you down and raising them up to remember who you are in Jesus Christ. But then Paul gives a, a very sobering warning, verse 12. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Now, as glorious as that final day will be for anyone who is in Christ, it will be terrible for anyone who denies him. Paul's not talking here about a temporary denial like uh, Peter's denial of Jesus at his trial. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking here about what sometimes is known as apostasy. And that is when someone abandons Jesus altogether, someone who turns away from him. And perhaps Paul had in mind Phygelus and Hermogenes, who we were learning about a couple of weeks ago, who were ashamed of Paul and the gospel message that he proclaimed, who in an effort to gain temporary approval from their culture, they forgot Christ. And because of their denial of Jesus, they faced the dreadful prospect of being denied by him. What value was temporary approval from their culture when the consequence was eternal condemnation. And we should hear this warning for what it is. It's a warning of God's judgment on those who deny him. And while it might be uncomfortable to hear that, we should be grateful for it. Because warning of that possible future gives us the opportunity to avoid it before it's too late. It's a far more loving thing to do to warn someone of that prospect than to pretend it will never happen. Sometimes, though, faithful Christians can hear warnings like that, and they can be anxious about their own future. And they can wonder whether Jesus will deny them when the day comes. And if that's you, if that's something you struggle with, if you struggle with your assurance, then take great comfort from the final verse of this passage, verse 13. Paul writes, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. The reality of the Christian faith is that sometimes we lack faith. 
This whole letter is about enduring in the face of suffering. And the whole reality of endurance is that it can be a real struggle sometimes. There are times when the brokenness of our world overwhelms us, where we are filled with fears and anxieties, where we struggle with ongoing sin in our lives, or where we're plagued by doubts and depression. But the wonderful news of the gospel is that God knows. He knows. He, he sees it all. He knows our hearts. He knows the difference between a heart that stubbornly rejects him and a heart that is struggling. And verse 13 is a, a beautiful promise to take hold of. That in the moments when we might feel like our faith is failing, he remains faithful. What assures us in those moments of weakness is not the strength of our faith, but the strength of the one in whom our faith is in. And we can be sure beyond any shadow of a doubt that the one that we are united to by faith will never fail. He will never leave nor forsake those who are his. He will not because he cannot deny himself. So remember Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on him. Trust in him. And keep on sharing in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise and thank you that we do not live the Christian life in our own strength, that we live it in the strength that we have through our union with Christ, our Savior. Lord, we pray that by your Spirit you would remind us again of Jesus Christ, the one who suffered and died and is now glorified. The one in whom all your promises have been fulfilled. And Lord, as we remember him, would we lift our eyes from whatever it might be that causes us to be weighed down or discouraged or unsure today. Would you lift our eyes to see Jesus to rest in him. Help us remember who he is and what he's done and the forgiveness that he's won for anyone who trusts in him. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.